Thanks for downloading this show from PC One. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your garden growing. We do it right too with incredible deals during our spring Black Friday sale, like 19 ounce Bonnie vegetable and herb plants, four for ten dollars. And pick up five bags of Scott's mulch in store only for just ten dollars. Whatever's on your list, hurry in and save during our Spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through four seventeen while supplies last. Not valid in Alaska or Hawaii. Scott's offer valid in store only. See store for details. U.S. only. FreshBooks is a ridiculously easy to use cloud accounting software for small business owners that saves you time and gets you paid faster. Now used by over 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com Forbes and enter Forbes under 30 in the How Did You Hear About Us section. This is Forbes under 30 on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Steve Goldblum. On the Forbes Under 30 podcast, we talk to young innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs. For Batman fans, you know that Alfred Pennyworth is the loyal butler to the mass superhero. And like Batman, you too can have a butler. Here to talk about it via Skype is Marcella Sapone. She's the co-founder of Hello Alfred, where for a weekly fee, someone will run your errands and do the things that you don't really want to do so that you can free up time to do the things that you want to do. Marcella, thank you very much for doing this. My pleasure. Do you know what you're doing? Uh, I think we're going to have a nice conversation uh, about what it means to run a business and to be close to 30. <laughs> That's perfect. Teetering on 30, close to 30, it doesn't matter. I am over 30. That's why uh, I'm asking questions, though. So, you know, that's easy. Um, And that will be the last uh, time we talk about age. But it's uh, I I was so excited to get to talk to you. And why don't you tell me, were you doing your MBA when you came up with the idea for Hello, Alfred? Yes. I was in business school when I met my best friend and co-founder, And she, in fact, drew a picture of a stick figure running around a building doing chores. And that was the kernel of the idea that would become Alfred. And where did you grow up? Uh, I actually grew up uh, in a few places. Started in New Jersey and then Delaware. And when I was 11, we moved to Denmark, Copenhagen. Uh, I spent about four years there and then did uh, the rest of my high school in Paris and France. Wow. And then I came back to the States to go to college. So I was very lucky in that I got to see lots of different cultures and lots of different ways of doing things. Now, and it's Harvard that you went to to get your MBA, right? Uh, that's right. Now, did you, what, what kind of, what is the atmosphere like when you're doing your, your MBA at Harvard, when you're in sort of the arena of ambition? Are there lots of people that have startup ideas in 2013 when you were, you know, finishing your degree? What was that like? Yeah, uh, HBS, is, Harvard Business School, is a very interesting place. And I, I actually went to um, Boston University before that, and I had already had a degree in business, and I had worked in consulting. And I wanted to go to a place that had a really long history because I had moved around so much as a kid. I just didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. So... Uh, there's traditions, and uh, HBS, they give you a section with 90 people in it. You sit in the same seat all day, and the professors come in and out, and it's the Socratic method. So there's, uh, you read case studies that are centered around protagonist. You, it takes about an hour and a half to two hours to do a case, and you do about three to four a day. So it's a pretty demanding uh, workload, and I think that also contributed to us wanting to figure out how to 
get more time in our life. Um, and yes, at the time, it, it, you know, being an entrepreneur was very popular. And uh, we, lots of business students were going down an Excel list of all their different ideas and rating them according to how hard and how lucrative they might be. Uh, and I think Jess and I were a little bit different in that for us, we just wanted to build things and we wanted to stop talking about things and actually go do that. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Small businesses are at the heart of our communities and the places that we could not live without. Whether you've been in the business for generations or recently launched, creating a website on WordPress.com can make a big impact on your business. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of customized themes to get you started. Just pick a template and make it your own. You'll get built-in search engine optimization and social sharing. That's good. When you build your website on WordPress.com, you're part of a community with support 24-7. Come see why 27% of all websites run on WordPress. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com slash Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com slash Forbes. Was this was this before? So you had done the ninety hour work week in in finance before you went to to business school. That's right. Okay. And what did that in what did that teach you about what how you wanted to be spending your time? Well, uh, before I went to business school, I had this um, kind of reverence for people who uh, were building really big things and had really big jobs and. I was in apprentice uh, mode. I wanted to learn from people, and I, I didn't mind working really hard. Uh, it was almost like boot camp. Um, but it did teach me kind of by the end of like four and a half years uh, that I wasn't a very interesting person anymore. I didn't have a lot of time for myself, and I didn't do a lot of things outside of work, mm-hmm. and I didn't eat a lot of meals outside of a seamless plastic <laughs> uh, Yeah, I would say. Yeah. So um, finding space to, to actually have to be a creative person, to build things, to read things, to go places, uh, and not being guilty for not being hyper-scheduled and ridiculously, like just ridiculously productive and calculating every minute what you need to get done and recognizing that like, life was really short and that is all we have, our time. Um, so actually before I decided to make a decision to go to business school, and I wanted to go to business school to, like I said, find a cohort of people right. who are kind of like-minded. And so I didn't really mind the competition and could handle that a little bit. But I, uh, I spent a lot of time doing yoga and got a yoga teacher uh, certification. Uh, and that's kind of where I had my, uh, you know what, I have to figure out a way to balance all these things. Because I am super ambitious and I want to build things and I want to make the world a better place. But I also want to be a person. It's interesting when you speak to entrepreneurs who come up with these ideas. A lot of the ideas that they're coming up with really suited their lives. Like it helped you, right? It freed you up for 20% more of your time, whether it was to meditate or do yoga or call someone and have a conversation that wasn't about work, right? Like th- those types yeah. of things. You want, it sounds like you wanted I, to free up that time. Yeah, I was just talking to someone about this. I, you know, I mentioned that Excel list with all the ideas and ranking. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's how a lot of startup businesses are actually – I mean, like the great ones are really born. You almost like they're accidents. And we built Alfred for ourselves as a means to have more time to go work on another startup idea. 
So it was, we never intended it for, it for it to be the thing that we would be devoting our, our time and our life to. Um, it just turned into a black hole and sucked us in. And, and I, when you, I think everyone is trying to build more leverage in their life and get more time. So yes, we built it for ourselves, but then found that it, a lot of other people could, wanted this as well. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. A curious thing happened to FreshBooks on its way to becoming the largest cloud accounting software platform for small business owners in the world. As a company, they've managed to stay small while soaring to over 10 million users strong. Or is it the other way around? Has FreshBooks customers base soared because their company has stayed small? Named as a small giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year, FreshBooks has been recognized for focusing on greatness over growth. By drastically simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, and delivering award-winning customer service that usually picks up in under three rings, FreshBooks has changed how small businesses' owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. This is really only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do, and they want you to see more. To claim your 30-day free trial, no credit card required, just go to FreshBooks.com slash Forbes and enter Forbes under 30 in the How Did You Hear About Us section. What is, uh, we might as well set this up, but <laughs> explain Hello Alfred for us so that the listeners have a sense of exactly how it works. Sure. So Alfred is a home management platform that blends uh, service and technology. And you are given a dedicated home manager who knows you, and he's gonna be visiting your home every week, uh, has the keys to your home, and is going to be taking care of things on your behalf. So you'll come home to groceries in your fridge, your dry cleaning hanging, your closet, packages unpacked and on your counter, returns taken out. We'll pick up your prescriptions, we'll um, do your laundry, We'll clean your home. And uh, on top of that, we turn into a platform to ask for anything you need. So, um, you know, any type of service, like it's, hey, I'd like to frame some of the art I have or even buy art or I have a a pet and I I need help Mm -hmm. uh, getting a dog walker, that kind of stuff, to um, I'd like to keep um, uh, these things in stock in the fridge, like just, you know, some milk and some cereal and some seltzer water and just always have that. Um, and the idea is it's kind of in the background of your life, humming along right. and taking care of you. Well, two really quick follow-up questions uh, that I think are important to listeners. Uh, will Alfred uh, help you get caught up on anthology television shows and call distant relatives for you if you need that kind of help? <laughs> um, you know, if you ask really nicely, I'm sure we would do some version of that or do it uh, as, a, as a favor of sorts. But that's not a, that's not a usual request, that's and I think the request. team really likes well, listen, unique requests. We could expand it because I'm like three seasons behind on the Americans, so it would be amazing. But um, <laughs> anyways, I, I, uh, how much does it cost for people to sign up for Alfred, and how do they sign up? Well, uh, there's two ways. Um, one, uh, you can have Alfred in your building. So that's actually how the majority of people um, find and use Alfred today is they'll move into an apartment building that has Alfred as an amenity. It's just service that's built into your home. Mm -hmm. And if you are a consumer and you live in New York, Boston, or San Francisco, you can also sign up for the service. And it starts at about $35 a week, but it depends on um, what you want to get done. 
And that is um, once a week visit um, from somebody who's the same Alfred uh, manager that you're going to have for a, a good chunk of time. Can you give us a sense of how many people are using Alfred right now and which markets are you in? Yep. So we're uh, currently in three markets. Um, we have, um, I mean, thousands of users and hundreds of employees, and we have to expand to another two markets this year. So uh, quite quite a few. Right. Right. And uh, is it you, you said you were interested in disrupting adulthood, right? Am I quoting you correctly? <laughs> yeah, that might have been something I said uh, when we first started it. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Does, um, and you raised in 2015 over $10 million in Series A funding. Is that right? Yeah. Um, we, uh, Series A net, we had about 12 and a half. And from there, we actually really focused on getting the business to be profitable. Um, and we have, uh, some announcements that are coming up too. So, Oh, please go ahead. <laughs> um, I mean, we have raised additional <laughs> funding and we have done a, a strategic partnership with the largest, um, U S multifamily real estate, uh, group, um, in the U S and we'll be rolling out in all of their buildings. Um, and that we'll be making that announcement, um, I guess, uh, in, in May. That is, that's really exciting. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, it's like to get to a place where you know service is a utility. It's just baked into how you live, and really for Jess and I, this isn't a luxury. This isn't about having someone at your beck and call or someone to do the you know funny things and little things. It's about having practical everyday help mm-hmm. and having people who care about you. You're going to come home to space that feels like a place that you can actually recharge in. And are going to take the things that take up time and give that time back to you so you can focus on being an interesting human. And sometimes that means sitting on your couch and playing video games. But we're just so busy, we we have to do less. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by WordPress.com. More websites run on WordPress than on any other platform. That's true. Create your blog or small business website today and get 15% off any new plan purchase at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. Well, you know, one thing that you've been given a lot of credit for and people seem to really admire is the the protection that you've given your workers, which other sort of user-supported shared economy apps have been criticized for. So can you talk a little bit about that? What, like you require a, a W-2 from your, from your workers. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big policy issue because uh, the ride-sharing companies like Uber and Lyft created a, a, a big surge in the freelance economy and a lot of jobs almost the it, by 2020 um, the percentage of jobs they think that are freelance could be as high as 50 percent um, and that's um, beyond just on-demand apps um, but it's putting a kind of a, a limelight on uh, how we're working today and I think a really more, more important question about how are we as humans uh, engaging with technology and Mm -hmm. having it serve as a sidekick rather than a protagonist? Um, People are talking about jobs getting automated away, and I I think our jobs are just changing. And so this goes back to this idea of looking at time and saying, how am I using it and what do I want to use it for? What's meaningful to me? And when we started the company, it it was like a very human desire um, to get our time back to do things that were important. And I, I, I think that treating 
the people who are going to help you do that uh, as human beings was necessary. There's like a, it couldn't be transactional and we needed to have kind of a gratitude going both ways because at the end of the day, this is just a relationship of trust that gets stronger over time as we learn more about you and we can begin to anticipate you. So humans were at the center of what we were doing and, and technology was how we were going to scale it and make sure that we remembered everything and we could systematize things and we could batch and, and do things efficiently. There's a lot of logistics in what we're doing. Um, and so that's the kind of putting those two things and keeping them in balance. And so our decision when we decided to uh, choose between a contractor, which is 1099, or an employee, which is W-2, came down to focusing on how do we build as much trust with our employees as possible so that our customers are happy? How can we train them so that we have consistency of service? Um, how can we make sure that they are ambassadors for our brand if this is really about right. uh, humans? And so uh, we chose W-2. It's, it's just more expensive. It's, it's less flexible. It's hard for a startup to do. Um, but there's this fake uh, dichotomy between um, contractors and, and um, employees that says, you know, like to be a contractor, you get a lot of flexibility, but you don't as a full-time employee or a part-time W-2 employee. And that's not true. I mean, you, we are very flexible with our hours. You can choose um, how many days you want to work. Right. Um, so... Well, I guess, you know, some people will, will raise concerns with when you talk about like automated efficiencies and making things easier. People will always find reasons to be scared uh, of like machine learning and technology. But it's kind of the same example, like a knife in your kitchen. You could choose to hurt someone with that knife or you could choose to like cut up a salad. You know, you can always exactly. find things. That's a nice. I like that. So uh, you, I guess, are, what are the, some of the concerns of people like, how do you vet these people? Like, I, I want to sign up for an Alfred. I, I don't know. You may not know that enough about me, you know? Yeah. I, I do think that, you know, for millennials and Gen X, though, our ideas of how we interact with other people and what we, the amount of trust that we're kind of putting in the system is much different. So what I mean by that is like, it's kind of crazy that I, I'm willing to get in a stranger's car or stay in a stranger's home on Airbnb. It is crazy. Uh, I was just watching yeah. somebody get into an Uber. Like, I was just watching someone literally 20 minutes ago get into an Uber, and I was thinking, what are, you don't know anything about this person. What, and so what I don't like about the technology uh, is that it also doesn't reinforce, actually, like, hello, who are you? Thank you for picking right. me up. Yeah. Uh, why are you a driver? Tell me about your life. And it's not that you want to talk to everyone. I understand, like, we're busy. Sometimes you just want to focus on stuff. But we don't want to erase the human part of it. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't turn them into transactions, and you can't, <laughs> like, they automate what they're doing away. It, it, there's a trust element that comes with, like, person-to-person -person interaction. You have always said... I, I, you've actually just said it once. I don't know why I'm saying that you've always said, but I know <laughs> yeah. that I've heard you say, you've always said, Marcel, that you're really proud of being a scrappy, uh, what was a scrappy New York-based startup. Tell me about why, why you were particularly proud about that. I think that uh, it takes a lot of grit to be a startup in New York, and especially one that like ours where it's um, uh, logistics and hospitality and you're out in the city every day, lots of things going on. It's very busy. Uh, it, and there's lots of different people doing lots of different things. And, uh, you know, there's a different mentality towards entrepreneurship on the East coast. And we're a little bit it's tougher, tougher. And we want real unit economics. We want profitability. And 
investments are viewed differently. And there's a, you can see that in the valuations of different startups that do the exact same thing, but are located in either direction. And, and for, and for good and bad, also on the West coast, there's a, a, a lot of sharing and mentorship and right. a feeling of wanting everyone to be successful and, you know, failure is good and lean into it. And, uh, like a whole school of thought. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, yeah. and here it's like, make it work. Uh, you're on your own. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're you're on your own until you decide you're not, and you're gonna hack or network or find or ask and be willing to get no a whole bunch. It's funny. Uh, I, I I I belong to a shared workspace here in Los Angeles, and uh, it, it, that same workspace exists in New York. And my experience being in both is like people roll into the L.A. one at 10 a.m. dressed like Civil War characters, and then in New York <laughs> they're like they're there at 7:30. You know, it's just a whole different a whole different vibe. And I like that. I think I find it really energizing. But um, it, it also means you, you have to manage yourself, your psychology, and your energy pretty mm-hmm. well because if you're running that hard every day, stuff gets crazy. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. Today on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, we are joined by actor, producer, director, author. What else can you do, Brian Cranston? I sweep floors. You do? And I load a dishwasher really, really well. Do you unload it? Not too many. Okay. <laughs> we could give you a job in our the house. The talent is loading it, not unloading. No, the talent is buying the dishes that fit together and not the dishes that I buy that don't fit in the dishwasher. Well, I could teach you how they can fit. Okay, Brian, right. thank you. That's Brian Cranston on Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Be sure to listen on Podcast One or through the Podcast One app and Apple Podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree, rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. Can you walk me through what it was like when you went to TechCrunch Disrupt, you and Jess, right? Yep. Um, what was that? Because you, you won, yeah, we did. We the did win. And we're off. the first women uh, combo to win TechCrunch ever. People joke about TechCrunch d- uh, Disrupt because uh, maybe because of Silicon Valley and yeah, stuff like exactly. that. But but it's a big deal. I lived in San Francisco for a while. It is a huge deal. And to win it is is particularly, I mean, it, it's amazing. So why don't you set that up for us? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, these things have history to them and Drew Houston, he's the CEO and founder of Dropbox. They were in TechCrunch Disrupt, and they and they lost. And he remembers that day, and he can recount it in detail. Uh, so he reached out to me when we won and congratulated us. So there, there's definitely some history there. And we uh, were one of, I don't know how many different teams. There must have been 30 when we first started, and thousands of people watching us pitch. And we got on stage, and we had essentially put together a lot of the presentation, you know, the week before because we were running the business. And I think that's kind of critical. It's like we had always focused on what the business was and we we knew our stuff. We had been working on it for two years. We had been doing lots of experiments uh, and we were kind of fearless. And we told our story the way we told it. And we uh, 
we had people listen to us, give us feedback, tell us where it was confusing. Um, and we did the work to get on stage so that even though there were thousands of people looking at me, I was just telling my story. You know, this is, an, uh, this is a non sequitur, but the, uh, when you were, came out in 2014, when, when, when you won Disrupt, I was shooting a satirical show for PBS, and, and uh, we were going to do a whole episode on you. And, uh, you know, what does it matter now? It's three years later. But uh, anyways, I just figured I'd bring that whole, up. Like a satirical, you're going to make fun of us? We were going to make fun. We would, no, we, we didn't make fun of people. We did actually make fun of ourselves, but we would highlight, like we did Uber in 2013 or 2012 with Travis Kalanick. So we were, I remember you were on our list and it just didn't work out. But uh, there well, you go. We're I'm glad now. it didn't work out, although, you know, uh, that, that, like, kind of the negative backlash. So uh, you win TechCrunch Disrupt. We had thousands of people around the world uh, sign up, reach out. <laughs> it's like your 15 minutes of fame. Truly, it's insane. You're, like, your server goes down. Your Twitter goes down. Your fa- uh, and then the next day there was a headline with my face, uh, yeah. like, my hands together in a, a power triangle. And at the top of this really crazy <laughs> picture, it said, has Silicon Valley officially run out of ideas? No. Oh, yeah. That's the best. Do you have uh, that uh, saved somewhere in the office? That should uh, be in the bathroom. But we get, there was like a lot of negative press. They called us uh, the Uber for servants, which uh, oh my is God. not the case. But now, okay. You have to own that, right? That, that, that's kind of, in a weird way, it's a, ba- it's a backwards compliment. Yeah, I'm taking radar. it. Yeah, I'm taking it. That. And then we just did our thing. And uh, a year later, you, we were on the cover of B1, the business section in the New mm-hmm. York Times, talking about uh, employing people and um, really caring about the human element of running a business and how not to be transactional and start a plan. So, well, I think your your story is really um, an inspiring one and an interesting one for people to know about because I wanted to ask you. Uh, you've been very honest about challenges that you face, like in terms of hiring, hiring your friends versus hiring experience. So can you tell me that like when, when you, when things are going really well and you had to ramp up, did you ever experience anything like founders syndrome where you realize like, Oh, you know what? I actually need people who are better than me at so much, or we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I mean, Starting a business is hands down the hardest thing you're going to do. And I don't care if it's a thousand person uh, tech company or a restaurant or a bodega. It's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of it's it's a crucible for your ego. And uh, like uh, the job changes daily. And so, yeah, there is a lot of surprising things that happened. And, And in the beginning, you're. You're, it's all optimism that's fueling, uh, and it's a, your drive, and you have adrenaline, and then you start to hit some rocky patches, and, and it, it gets hard because your job as a founder is to fire yourself from all your jobs. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're all fans of something, but with absolutely everything changing about the way we consume culture, the way fandom works is changing too. I want to tell you about an awesome new podcast about exactly that change. It's called Fan Club by Viacom. Fan Club is a short series hosted by Ross Martin, who has perhaps thought more about fandom than anyone else on Earth. Ross has continually explored fandom through his work at Viacom, home of Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, BET, and so many more iconic brands 
fans and shows that you love. On Fan Club, Ross is trying to figure out the future of how we are going to watch, listen, and consume culture. He talks to a slew of amazing, brilliant people across the pop cultural landscape, musicians, artists, fashion designers, chefs, even scientists, about how their work is being experienced today and how they think it will be experienced in the years to come. Subscribe now at vbyviacom.com slash fan club or wherever you're listening to the show. Talk about the ego. Go to that. What was that challenge for you? Um, it's like even if you're not an egotistical person, it's just like a, a whole new level of mm-hmm. ego, which is you, you have to almost erase yourself from the situations and try to be objective and um, – is something starts to happen where, you know, this first early team of people who are extremely loyal and who are your family and you've built this thing together and you've been working crazy hours and you believe in something and everyone is telling you no and you're crazy and it's impossible and everyone is all in. And that energy is some of the most uh, uh, intoxicating thing that I have ever experienced. But then you need to start making decisions that are hard and uh, you are it's choosing your future and the, the health of the entire group and the organization and having to make tough choices about individuals who may or may not be growing at the same rate that you are or scaling at the same rate. Uh, and, and, and doing that in a way that, uh, I don't know. I don't, it's just hard. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. And I, and I, I like one quote that I've heard you say before, which is, it's not about being the smartest person in the room. It's about hiring the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Did you initially hire a bunch of friends and, and what was that experience like? If it's true? I mean, in the beginning you like, yeah, you grab your smartest friends around you and you ask for, for help. And, um, I mean, our, the, the first person who joined our team and I consider him, he's part of the founding team in my book, his name is Christian Magellan. He is a friend and I met him in business school and he just has run as hard as he can and like he's amazing and I have we hired five other friends and now they're in all different places doing really interesting things and those are really tough conversations and to stay friends um, but then but then you are you know you start hiring people who are in your network or a friend of a friend and and that's how I think every startup gets started and then this transition to, okay, I need to find people who have done this before and know what good look like and how do right. I find them and how do I tell if they're good and uh, just who do I hire in what order and what's my budget for doing that. And uh, tr- truly, honestly, I just, you're learning about every function, um, every, um, every challenge any business business has ever faced. And so like you, you have had to have a beginner's mind and, and recognize that you don't know anything. You have to find people who have done it before and you need to ask. So it's like a constant, like uh, you don't have the answer. You are just trying to ask better and better questions. And you're trying to find people who can own pieces of things, take accountability and are going to be better than you at what you do. Like right. by the end of it, you should have no job. You should fire yourself. Well, you, I mean, was there ever a point in your career where you just wanted to have a boss but still be in oh control? <laughs> yeah, I tell everyone, uh, like, there was a, a lot of fetishizing uh, being a founder and having a business. And I, I, I genuinely think it's one of the uh, hardest. It's, it's a um, very humble, humbling experience, and I'm very lucky to have it. But it is one of the hardest things, and I don't recommend it to anyone because there is, it is such a luxury to have a boss because you get uh, a clear sense of what success is. You get some constraints and you're able to run 
at a challenge and be successful. And in, in a world where you're also defining what the goal is and what the constraints are and what is possible, you are never successful, right? right? Ever. Uh, and you just have to get comfortable with that, that you're not going to be good at anything uh, anymore. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Braintree. A lot of businesses, too many, think of payments as a mechanical function. It just needs to work. But your payment solution can be an engine for growth. It can help up your conversion rates. It can help tap you into market growth. It can help allay security concerns that are limiting your customers' spending. And payments can be a way to provide new experiences to you customers. You want to grow your business? Rethink your payments. Braintree. Rethink Payments. Find out more at BraintreePayments.com slash Forbes. You know, I've heard you, uh, just for practical purposes here, you have four S's, don't you? Like that you, oh, like right. a guiding principle? Yes. Do you remember what they um, are? Let me think back here. This is a little bit of I, like my... I, I can start you off if, it, if it's helpful. Yeah, give me my four. Sequencing? Sequencing. So sequencing, I actually think, make or break the story and trajectory of your company. If you uh, do not hire the right people at the right times, that you are going to get into a situation where you're scrambling at key moments and you kind of fall fall down and you lose big opportunities. You also have like the, the definition of being an entrepreneur is constrained resources. So prioritizing exactly how you personally are spending your time, but also how the organization is uh, kind of investing. Because each day, think about it this way, uh, each day costs me a certain amount of burn. So each day I need to be adding value and increasing the valuation of my company and trying to get to break even, right. which is escape velocity. So what is the one thing, not, not 10, but one specific thing that you can do that day that is going to change the value of your company? And we get into these situations um, as, as company builders where you have these dark periods of time where you say, okay, this is a lot like building a barn. i got to build all four walls, and then I'm going to put them all up together, right. and then the business will work. But, you know, like a barn raising means that you're taking like three months building stuff and have nothing to show for it. And it's, those are very challenging periods of time, right? The other asset we, we can cruise through them, but spending and speed. Yeah. So spending is, is cash. Uh, it is your blood. Uh, and it is, as a, a startup founder and CEO, my job is to make sure that we have a clear idea of what the vision is and that everyone understands that, that I'm hiring the right people, right. And that they're working in the right way, and that we don't run out of money. So make sure you're spending your money on the right things. And then speed is deciding when you're going to go fast and deciding when you're going to stop and double uh, click to make sure you're making the right decision. There's a lot of complexity um, that, in, especially in our business, where we have the hospitality element, we're a logistics company, we have technology, and we are working with a lot of vendors. So it's just a, a ton of people, and you have to sometimes decide that you're going to be bad at something one day and that you're going to let relationships and you're going to let people down because you have to focus on other things. There, there is a fourth S. I don't know if you remember it. I can't read my handwriting. Um, <laughs> we can just rebrand it as three S's if you want. Yeah, let's do that. Let me ask you this. Defining success, how difficult is that when you start your business? Because everybody, when people ask me that kind of question, like, define what would make you happy? Define success. I find that the most annoying question because you kind of want to do everything. Um, how do you define success now and, and, and for the future of Hello Alfred? That's a good question. 
um, and, and your description is, is totally apt. It's like the finish line is always moving as you get closer to it. Um, I'm trying like this reverse thing, which is like, how do I get the limbo bar to be as low as possible so that, you know, right. we've successfully built a, a brand that has earned the right um, to have your trust to own the key to the home. And then the next thing is like, okay, how do we work with these large scale buildings to launch um, thousands of units overnight? Okay, we've learned that. Okay, how do we start to add more services into the platform so that you can get more and more value from Alfred? Right. So just doing that's that sequencing thing again. And for me, it's just earning the right to get to the next stage. And it's you're driving a car down a freeway and you're, you don't want to run out of gas. And it, you want to have the option to turn off on an exit ramp. And I've heard the Airbnb founders talk about this. It's like they didn't know what they were building and they didn't know if they were going to exit or when they were going to exit. But they were planning um, for the future and creating options for themselves. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The Forbes Under 30 podcast is brought to you by a new podcast called Fan Club, presented by Viacom and hosted by Ross Martin. And it's about why we love what we love. Subscribe to Fan Club now at vbyviacom.com slash fan club or wherever you listen to podcasts. I have a, a question for you here as, as we're winding down. You know, one of the smartest people that I know is my older sister, that's awesome. Uh, I have two older sisters. I don't know why that I'm pointing one of them out. Never mind. <laughs> one of the sm- I said, well, you can guess who the other one is. One of the smartest people I know is my sister who works as a banker in Canada at like a big, big bank, and she does institutional equity sales. Somebody like her who's so good at, and spends so much time at her job and then looks at you and you've kind of created this world for yourself. How do you tap – how does she tap into your network and vice versa? How do you find smart, talented people like her – and uh, encourage them to, you know, take their take their chances in the entrepreneurial space. That's a good question. Uh, yesterday, I went to, uh, actually a great time. I went to this small event that had four generations of women uh, who had worked in uh, New York, and it was like media and finance. And there were women who were seventy years old in the audience and had kept and stayed in their career and were at the top of their career. And it's the it's the first experience that I've I, I had like that, and uh, I basically said, "Hey, my email is marcella at helloalfred.com. Can you send me a reaction, a question, a thought, anything? Um, I have so much to learn, and I don't know what I'm doing. And if I can help you, please do the same. Uh, and, and the outreach from that was incredible. Just like asking that question." You know, we don't have a lot of time, and, and that's part of, like, this prioritization thing. So I don't have a perfect answer to that. But what I try to do is to be as candid as possible and to share as much of my experience as I can while I still remember it. That's part <laughs> of the reason why I don't remember those three S's because that was, like, a couple months ago. I know, and that's, yeah, yeah. That's how fast we're running. Um, but I, I, I'm on Twitter, and I, 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 I try to do one-liners with thoughts, and I think that people find those helpful, but, but also writing about my experience and putting it out there and – um, I try to respond when people reach out to me as well. So, Do you have an interest in any other field like politics or anything else outside of business? So, you know, what, what, what do you want to do that you're not doing? <laughs> That's a good question. I, I, Jess and I really want to write uh, a book in, in two ways, like write about how we think capitalism is changing and where work is going and where how we're going to spend our time and empathy and engineering for empathy as we have more and more technology in our lives uh, the future of how we're going to live 
and we think we've broken a lot of really interesting psychology um, problems and, and, and we can influence people's behavior in a positive way and we want to inspire people to do things that make them happy and are meaningful and connect communities. And we focus on small businesses, for example, and actually distribute uh, with like the local florist and the local butcher. So really trying to keep what's um, small and beautiful and local and celebrate those things and the imperfections of what makes us human, that's awesome. So we want to write a book. And we, we also, you know, when we first started this, um, we thought about it as kind of a, a startup studio. We, we created something called Whitespace and um, had different ideas. And that's actually where, you know, Alfred came from. I described um, working on different ideas. So I'd, I'd love to help other people build businesses and to give them kind of a crash course in the things that matter. But I also, back to that New York point, think it's really important. There is no shortcut. There is no handbook. You have to right. find your own path. So the only thing that I can do to mentor you or to help is to ask questions I wish someone else had asked of me at the time that I was ready to really be reflective. Uh, and, it, I, you know, the power of a, a good question is, is pretty incredible because – as an entrepreneur, my greatest weapon is conviction and clarity. And that only comes through structured reflection and really focusing on, on understanding yourself and people around you. And, yes, I, I love policy. I love uh, what we're doing on, on the W-2 and 1099 front. But right now, uh, Alfred is a whole universe and a whole platform, and I hope that we can grow it to be a really big thing and a part, be a part of everyone's life. That's a great point. And I'm just curious, are you guys doing much advertising and marketing Hello Alfred right now? Uh, we do zero. Do zero? And you have no interest in that? Um, well, you know, what I like is word of mouth. I think it's the most powerful, trustworthy way to, to sell your product. Um, that is your marketing. Right. Your product is your marketing. And then we do um, do marketing within the buildings that we work with so that residents know that Alfred is free for them to use or part of living in, in that building. Uh, you know, eventually over time as we scale, I'm sure we will do um, more more of that. And I actually just want to ha- do fun advertising campaigns for the sake of it. And yeah. uh, we have, uh, I think, a lot of things to say and a lot of point of views on things. Um, so that I, like taking over the subway campaign just just to, to share messages that are inspiring about how humans are interacting with each other and not having it be a driver <laughs> for a business would be super fun. Listen, I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you, and I think people will get a lot out of what you have to say, and uh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for the really thoughtful questions. That's it for this episode of Forbes Under 30. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to reach out to us with a comment or question, please do so at under30, that's the number 30, at podcastone.com. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on everything you need to get your garden growing. We do it right, too, with incredible deals to help you save during our spring Black Friday sale, like Bonnie Vegetable and Herb Plants, four for $10. And for a clean-looking landscape, pick up five bags of Scott's Mulch for just $10. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, hurry in and save during our spring Black Friday sale. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 417, not valid on Alaska or Hawaii. Bonnie offer valid on 19-ounce pots. See store for details, U.S. only. At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying. 
And the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.